2: What's going on and welcome
3: into another game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans will take on the Brooklyn Nets for the first time this season. Hard to believe April 7th that we're seeing the Nets for the first time and to join us on the podcast. A really good panel discussion. Of course, we have Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels of Valley Sports New Orleans and Jim for of Pelicans.com. Of course, you can watch Joel and Antonio tonight. The pregame coverage starting at six and tip offset. Four six thirty guys, uh it's been a while since we've been able to have this conversation. Hope everyone is well. I know we're healthy. The unfortunately the team has not been healthy in, in the last week or so. But um, I'll kind of start getting into this right now and we'll we'll start with A D. Um A D, look, you know, we had some of these injuries. Zion missed a few games, BI has missed now four games as well. Um, but the good news is you're starting to see some of the young guys be able to get that experience. What have you learned about this team, even through all the injuries? About some of the pieces that have had to step up in the after, in the absence of some of these role players?
1: Well, first and foremost, there's nothing more important um, to an NBA season than health. And with a condensed season, a condensed training camp, a condensed everything, we aren't the only team, obviously, that's been, hit, that's been hit by the injury bug, but we were able to avoid it for quite some time. You know, if you look at some of the major injuries, the LeBrons, the Anthony Davises, the – uh, Kevin Durant, the Joellen Beads. I'm talking about guys that are in the MVP discussion. And for the longest time, we were able to avoid it. And at the tail end, at the stretch of the season, now this injury bug has hit us. And again, when you're not in the rotation or you're in the rotation and maybe you're not getting the minutes you deserve, it's not a, a, uh, it's not a if situation. It's a win situation. This is why you always hear, you know, you must be prepared because your, your opportunity is going to come. In an 82-game season and a 72-game condensed season, it's a matter of time before your opportunity comes. And the opportunity for Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis and James Johnson and Isaiah Thomas and Wester Woundu, like, it, it's here now because of the injuries to Zion and B.I. and Josh Hart and Kyra. So you just have to be prepared for your opportunity when it comes.
2: Yeah, and, and Daniel, to what AD said, Pels have been, and we always talk about it on the telecast, good fortune in the NBA is healthy, staying healthy. And and the Pels have been really fortunate because they had the fewest games missed until this recent spell with everybody like Zion and Brandon missing games, Lonzo seven straight. Pels have been the healthiest team in the NBA. They had missed the fewest games. So... Uh, it's interesting. Guys have stepped up. And it's also afforded the opportunity. Let's face it, he turned 20 yesterday. Garless Jr. looks like the real deal. Every rep, he looks better. And then uh, Zion coming back and looking the way he does is comfortable. It's not about today with the Pels. And even uh, Hall of Fame coach Greg Popovich, to what AG just said about the press schedule, Pels are the Spurs rather lost a couple of days ago. And they got smoked at home. And Pop was asked about it after the game. And he goes, we look fried. That was his exact quote. And there's a lot of teams right now. The Pels on April 1st had 17 games over the next 27 games, or the next 27 days. That's a lot in 17 and 27. So to what AD said, other guys have to be ready. And a lot of guys have. And it's been really a revelation to see what James Johnson has brought, his experience, and the way he's handled the situation and really just adapted and adjusted. He's fit in. It's incredible how well he's fit in.
3: Jim, what about you? Uh, we can, If you want to touch on the young guys as well, but we can we can go to the next subject, which I think is James Johnson. And look, he, he's been playing really well since he, he got here from the Dallas Mavericks and not only doing well on the court, but I think he's going to add a lot of veteran presence in that locker room being a 12-year vet. Uh, what have you seen from some of the young guys like Kyra? And then if you want to chime in and talk about James Johnson as we get that conversation started.
0: Sure. I mean, From a short term standpoint, of course, right now we're focusing on trying to do everything possible to get in the play in tournament and get the experience and even playing in some of these meaningful games at the end of the season, I think is going to help down the road. But um, one one part of some of the guys being injured that hopefully long term will help is just getting some of these players on the court more Um, for Kyra to play more has been good. I don't know if that necessarily would have happened if things had stayed the way that they were at the beginning of the season. Um, Nikhil obviously is out now with an injury, but he also had a stretch where he got to play probably a lot more than he would have if, if Lonzo ball hadn't been sidelined for a little while. And Nikhil has shown in some of his starts, the kind of score that he can be and how productive he can play. So I think from a broad standpoint, I, I like some of the younger guys. I, I definitely look at them differently than I did at the beginning of the season. Now that you've gotten to see them play a lot more. So I think that's been a big plus. Another guy too, that I'm not sure if we mentioned yet is a uh, Najee Marshall did well in the G league um, during the few weeks that they had the the bubble down there. He did a nice job and he's been able to step in and have some good moments as well. So, I mean that all, I think all that stuff long-term, maybe that will be beneficial whether you're talking about next season in terms of getting these guys on the court more. Um, in terms of James Johnson, though, that you mentioned, I mean, he's been really impressive so far with I, he had foul trouble last night. and That was probably the least impact he's had in a game so far because he had to keep coming out. Unfortunately for him, he had some, you know, some bad whistles of bad breaks. But um, but, man, he's he's done such a good job to be able to come to a new team halfway through the season and step in and, and play the way he has. I mean, I think he's shown you, you can see the fact that he has so much experience
1: and he's been in the league for 12
0: years like this.
1: Injuries injuries suck, but they're beneficial to someone. And what Jim just touched on, the fact that the injuries that this team has gone through recently, um, obviously at this time of the season, you don't want to see it, but they've been beneficial to the young guys. And this league is all about timing. You know, not just this league. Life is about timing in general, but in particular. So think of when James Johnson arrived. Okay, so Zion's out, B.I.'s out, Josh Hart's out. So then he gets here just in time. He gets here right at the right time. Then you acquire Isaiah Thomas. And right when Isaiah Thomas is here is when Kyra's out, is when Nikhil Alexander Walker's out. And he is the only guard, the only true guard that's coming off the bench. So the timing, the timing overall couldn't be better for these two, James Johnson and Isaiah Thomas, as far as opportunity is concerned.
3: A.D., talk about opportunity before I get to Joel here. Um, With, you know, there was so much continuity with the lack of injuries the Pelicans had that it seemed like the Pelicans are starting in a rhythm with who they had and the rotations that were starting to develop. But now with some of the young guys being mixed in with some of the newcomers, how much of a challenge is that just from a a game-to-game standpoint of, one, you have new guys trying to figure out the system and, and plays and things like that. I know they're veteran players, but it's still obviously a different lingo from team to team. And then these young guys trying to play with these guys in the lineup together. I mean, how much of a challenge is that uh, to go through this process?
1: There's a reason that the Utah jazz have had the best record in the league all year long because there's no more role defined team in the league. And the reason that is, is important is because you don't have practice time that you're accustomed to. So all the time that you're used to, when you're having two and three days off in between, when you can take take a day off and then practice for the next two, you don't have. And I heard Coach Van Gundy say the other day that a lot of games are basically being used as practice time because you don't have the time that you're used to with this condensed schedule, playing every other day, you know, three games and four nights, four games and six nights. Joe just talked about playing 17 games in 27 days, I believe he said. 17 games in 27 or 29 days. So think of the amount of days that you have in between and what you are doing with those days in between. You're resting. You're resting. So if you're resting on those days in between, when is there adequate practice time to develop chemistry, to develop camaraderie, to incorporate um, James Johnson and Isaiah Thomas and Wester Wounded and Najee Marshall and these guys? It's difficult. But with that being said, Every team is dealing with this as well.
3: For sure. Joel, what are your thoughts have been on James? And also we'll start the conversation. on Isaiah Um, made his his presence felt last night, especially in that second quarter with eight straight points. Um, Just loved hearing what he had to say yesterday as far as his mindset, physically and mentally, um, along with, you know, the fact that he went through this hip injury and hasn't played in a year, but uh, you know, really contributed for the Pelicans off the bench. What have you seen from, What did you see from Isaiah last night, Joel? And then also if you wanted to chime in on James Johnson, where he's met even in the short amount of time he's been here.
2: Well, I think Daniel in the big picture, I think it's the impact they can have on young guys. And because these are two pros, these are guys that have been there, done that, and have really worked hard at their craft. And here you've got a James Johnson, 32 years old. He's been with a ton of teams because teams want him. He knows how to play. He, He knows his role. He's really athletic. He can get to the cup. He can hit occasional threes. So, but I liked, and I even said it on the telecast last night, I, he, it looks like he's been here for years when he was on the bench celebrating his teammate's success while he was off the floor. And that that is the residual effect that it has. And then you bring in a guy, a good soul, like Isaiah Thomas, and what he can mean to young guys, AD can speak to it in a locker room. Veteran voices. You can't have too many pups. You know, AD just brought up the Utah Jazz. It's one of the oldest teams in the NBA. They've got a bunch of guys that they're pros. They know their roles. They're really talented. But uh, they're all on the same page. And that's what the vets keep everybody in line, on the same page. And and it'll help young guys. And hopefully Kyra's going to be able to play in the Nets game tonight. Uh, I'd love to see Brandon because we always compare Brandon with Kevin Durant. But let's not forget about the development of Jackson Hayes. Four straight games, Jackson in double. Games. He's had a block in each game. And AD and I talk about it regularly. Uh, he's, for a seven-footer, I can't believe his touch, his handle, the way he's now, it's like the light has gone on at both ends of the floor. It's getting better for him. See, because it's pick and roll, and it, it's so difficult in the NBA. Everybody's running the same. But the pick and roll in particular for bigs, And Jackson's doing a good job. He's adjusting better. It looks like, and we keep forgetting, he is 20 years old. So there's a lot of positives, despite the the frustration of giving up 46 and 11 threes in the third. And Stan said the best half of the game when he said, you can't get into a shootout with a team like that. Ball's got to go inside, know your identity, more than one touch, more than one pass before you shoot the ball. It's got to go inside to to produce outside for this this team they don't have Bogdanovich they don't have Gallinari so uh, I like what's developing with the young guys and then the influence to your point Daniel that both James and Isaiah can have because they are really they're consummate professionals you can see it they care about their craft they come prepared
0: what
3: about you
2: Jim
0: yeah I think Joel makes a good point about Jackson Hayes as well as another guy that I didn't mention in my list earlier that I should have in terms of a player that I think you look at differently now here in, in early April than you did maybe in, in the middle part of January. I think he's a good example, too, of how two things with the young players. One, you have to be patient with guys, especially some of the bigs that come in that don't have a ton of <laughs> basketball experience. Yep. And, and two, that the the, pro- the progression that guys make is not always going to be linear. You can't. I mean, he had stretches in his rookie year where he was really good and you you, you thought, okay, he's, he did this as a rookie, so he's going to immediately build off of that at the beginning of the second season. It didn't happen. Um, but but the progress that he's made, I think, has been great in terms of what you think of about him in, in the future. Um, a couple other things, I know we jumped around to a different couple of different subjects. One of the things we talked about was the chemistry that Utah has. I mean, when you watch them play, to me, if you didn't know anything about basketball and you watch them play and then you watch – a lot of the other teams in the league, you would think that they're playing two different sports just in terms of the the, the way that they move the ball, the, how familiar they are with each other, how they're making five, six passes um, to create an open shot. It's just a different level of basketball than I think a lot of other teams are trying. Of course, everyone's trying to get to that point, but you can't, I don't think you can speed that up. You can't rush that. You can't say, right. okay, now guys, I want you to play like you've been together for right. three or four years. And I think that was one thing. I know that this isn't what Stan Van Gundy was referring to specifically, but in terms of the ball movement last night, that's something that you want to try to get to where it's just something that's automatic. It's not something that you even really have to think about. So um, I think that was in the, I guess the other thing I was going to touch on was just Isaiah Thomas. I mean, you want to see him play well because he, he just seems like such a good dude, but I was so, so, um, it was so cool to listen to him speak yesterday about how appreciative of he is about being in the NBA. I think it's a good lesson for people in terms of just the, the attitude that he has and just having to be out of the league for a year plus the way he has, you can tell how grateful he was to have the opportunity. So, and, and one last thing too, from my perspective about him, I knew he was really respected and really well liked around the NBA, really popular, but I don't think you can grasp it fully until he comes to your team because just to see, for example, I tweeted a picture, the picture of Lou Williams kind of patting him on the back saying, hey, man, it's good to have you back in the NBA or whatever that message was. And that picture got two thousand something likes and it, that which kind of blows me away because it, I mean, it was it was really more the moment than it wasn't exactly like a spectacular photo. But you can just tell like how much people love him and people kind of relate to his story as well.
1: To, to speak to what Jim just said, um, first and foremost about the Utah Jazz, uh, you can't fast pass. Or expedite chemistry, you can't. And I feel like th- this is, you know, fans hate to hear it. But it, it takes time. It takes um, it takes failing. It takes learning. And a lot of that happens um, at the end of games. You know, you talk about how many times this team has been up double figures in the fourth quarter and then not been able to pull it off. Yeah, right now that it, it sucks to say. It sucks to see but two years from now we won't be having this conversation and I, I feel like when we talk about Jackson Hayes and the kill Alexander Walker and Kyra Lewis and all these young guys we a lot of times we put unfair expectation on them because we're playing with the guy who stepped in this league and was dominant the moment that he touched hit the floor running in and Zion and, and like, like Jim said you know, everybody's path isn't linear. Everybody doesn't grow at the same rate or at the same time. And when we see Zion and see what he's doing, it seems everybody's thought is, well, why isn't Jackson doing that? Or why isn't Kyra doing that? Everybody grows at different times. And to Isaiah Thomas, I'll say this. You would have a hard time finding someone that wants to see him succeed, especially here now in New Orleans more than I do. You know, and speaking of Lou Williams and many other players, um, when I think about Isaiah and what he went through, why he was with the Boston Celtics, the loyalty that he showed to that organization, what he played through, I can remember when my brother passed, the amount of people and players that just reached out to me to let me know that they were praying for me and that they were with me when I had no idea. So to see Isaiah Thomas back on the floor, and I told Joe last night when he hit a couple shots, like I'm in here and I'm I'm laughing and I'm smiling because I couldn't be happier for him. And right now he's just scratching the surface. That's his first game after one shoot around. When he gets comfortable and he gets his legs under him and he knows that he has those minutes coming behind him, he's going to be a problem.
3: Before we get out of here, a couple more things for you guys. Um, 22 games to go heading into tonight's game you're only a game and a half out despite the injuries and the growing pains of this team. You're a game and a half out of 10. Um, I'll go around the room. Uh, Jim, I'll start with you and work my way back. But the importance of these 22 games, not only for every chance to get into playing, but these young guys playing in a, an experience like this, in a scoreboard watching playoff type environment where every game matters. You're not out of the race that you're, you're still playing for something. I think the importance of that, is pretty significant for a young team trying to, you know, figure things out right now.
0: It definitely is. And and one quick thing I wanted to say too, I thought Drew Holiday was going to give New Orleans another uh, plus last night when he had the go-ahead <laughs> basket with like seven seconds left. But that was that, that was a pretty tough loss because you think, you know, the, the, if the Warriors lose that game, Pelicans are still a half game out. And then tonight they'd have a chance to move into – a tie with Golden State for that play-in spot, which it, I can't remember the last time the Pelicans were in the top ten. It's been a while. It, it's probably it probably hasn't happened since um, that that er, really early season road trip where they went one and five. Um, so, but but in terms of the last twenty something games of the season, I think overall I just hope that we don't look back at you know right after the Boston game. I think everybody was feeling really good about the situation over the Pelicans part of their last five games they beat some really good teams they beat denver on the road they beat the clippers I, I hope we don't look back at that and say you know that was kind of the turning point when injury started to happen and that was what led to them not being able to to um secure a playing spot but overall though i at the very least i would hope to see the pelicans stay in the race so that they keep playing very important games because i think for the, for the long-term development of a bunch of the players that we just mentioned, that will be helpful. And it'll put them in a better position going into next season. No, you know, ideally if they can play, if they can make the play in tournament and play in one or two of those games and obviously hopefully make the playoffs, but even just the, the experience of playing one game where the season is on the line and you're playing against right. another NBA team, I think would be something that a lot of people will really enjoy and, I mean, I'm looking forward to the playing tournament regardless. I think it's going to be really cool to watch, to see kind of those pressure situations. But you would love to see the Pelicans be there with all of the guys that they have who are under, you know,
1: 23 right now. And, and, and far as, as far as meaningful basketball is concerned, these last 22 games, the reps, the experience is invaluable. You know, you think of how much – it means when this team still has to play Golden State three times. The amount of pressure that comes with that game. And with 22 games to go, we can't continue to say, well, all right, you know what? We got to kick it in gear. All right, now, but well, we got to kick it in gear. It's a time where you're going to have to put together something that's sustainable, whether it's four out of five again, five out of six, five out of seven, whatever it may be. Um, but playing these games right now, And especially against good teams, especially against really good teams, teams that are also playing for something. It it teaches you how to win. You know, sometimes when you're playing against a team that has nothing to lose, there's no consequence with the way they play. But when you're playing against teams, it lets you understand how important 12 minutes of basketball is in a 48-minute game. You look at the last, last night's game versus Atlanta, that game completely turned in the third quarter. When they go 11-11 from the three-point line, they separate themselves. So you learn a lot throughout the course of a season, but when you start getting into the nuts and bolts of the season, toward the tail end of the season, and everything that you do is magnified, good or bad, that
3: experience is invaluable. No doubt. Well said, AD. Before I let you guys go, you know, now comes the Brooklyn Nets, and speaking of another really good team, uh, <laughs> they get Kevin Durant back. And the thing that I found this morning on Twitter from Mark Stein is, they were 19 and four without him, and so it's crazy to think that even without Kevin Durant, you look at the roster. They will be it without James Harden tonight, but you still have Kevin. You still have Kyrie. Yeah, Blake Blake Griffin in the fold. LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, you name it. So I'll start with Joel, and I'll work my way around. I mean, how how do you where do you start with a team like Brooklyn that <laughs> that has Everyone, all these all-stars, and, and a team like the Pelicans are on the second night of a back-to-back and also battling some injuries still.
2: Well, Daniel, to give you an idea of how much they've missed Kevin Durant, over the last two months, the best records in the NBA, the Suns are 23-5, and five, and Brooklyn's 21-6. and six. And that's missing one of the greatest players we've ever seen in the history of the game. Because Kevin's coming back after two months out. So that's how difficult it's going to be. You can only hope that he doesn't have his rhythm. He's a little bit rusty. I don't think that's going to be the case, though. And that's why I'd love to see Brandon on the floor tonight. And and for those reps that AD was talking about with 22 to play against the best, the very best. Uh, But maybe, you see, they're trying to get in sync as well with Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. Those guys know how to play, but they haven't played together. It goes back to the pick and roll with Kyrie. He's for me, he's got the best handle in the NBA. It's amazing how good he is. It's like we always talk about, can you bracket him one way? No, because when it comes to Kyrie, he can go either way. He's that good on the left-hand dribble or the right-hand dribble. Uh, but, no, it's it's a good experience for down. And also, remember, it's a good experience down the stretch, with like AD said, with 22 to play. Dallas have taken three out of the last four on the road. It got away in that third quarter last night. They gave up all the – but you remember, they beat Boston on the road, they beat Denver on the road, Houston on the road. So they've gotten better road reps Throw out the third quarter, uh, but they have to play to their identity. And don't try a shootout like we saw against a team that's got really good shooters. That's what Atlanta's built on. They went to free agency and they got Bogdanovich, they got Gallinari, they got shooters. So play to your strength and, and hopefully – that will work, and hopefully the the Pelts will get a couple of guys back tonight. Whether it's Kyra, Brandon, uh, whatever it might be, but it is going to be severe. Second back to back, and by the way, Zion has really thrived, and hopefully he's going to be on the floor in the second of a back to back because he just got back after missing three games. But as look as I get ready for the game, looking at the numbers, Zion's average right at about 30 in the second of back to back games. So it's good to be young, but man, is that kid gifted too.
3: Jim, I'll go to you, and then I'll finish with AD as far as the Nets are concerned. Sure.
0: I mean, as far as Brooklyn's success when Durant hasn't played and when other guys have been out, it seems like it's been a constant shuffle of the, of the big three there. Um, I, this isn't breaking news. I mean, the biggest reason is because they're super talented. But, I mean, overall as a team. But I, I feel like watching them sporadically throughout the season, one of the things that I've been impressed with and why one of the reasons why they keep winning regardless of the combination is it seems like – some of the role players are really adaptable, like regardless of the situation, regardless of who's on the court. Um, I, I like Bruce Brown a lot. I think Nick's Cl- Nick Claxton has been really good off the bench. Even I know I, I, A lot of people I think right now are wondering if his playing time is going to get decreased by the, the veterans that they've added, which might not be a good thing because he's been pretty, uh, pretty valuable for them off the bench. But um, th- that's probably the biggest thing I've noticed about the Nets is just that regardless of the situation, they have other guys that can... Kind of do whatever is asked on a on a given night and still be successful.
2: Yeah, let's not forget about guys Joe Harris.
1: You know, you know, for me, they have uh, they're the only team in this league that have three guys on their roster capable of winning MVP. That speaks to their talent. You know, when you talk about forty-one All Star Game appearances combined, and the NBA right now, this is not a this is not the nineties where it's it's a lockdown league where the score is 90 to 80. Now this is an arms race. Daryl Morey said it years ago. This is an arms race. And what teams are starting to do is arm themselves with as much firepower as possible. That's why you go out and get Blake Griffin. That's why you go out and get Marcus Aldridge And not and you add that to those three that we talked about with one of the best shooters in Joe Harris. So to me the moment they acquired James Harden, even before they got LaMarcus Soldiers, before they got Blake Griffin, I had them picked to go to the NBA Finals. Now when you add those guys and you're adding that firepower to go along with the role players that Jim just referenced, you know, Bruce Brown, Claxton. Right now, DeAndre Jordan is not even in the rotation. Anymore. That's how talented this team is. He's not even in the rotation. Now you're giving those three guys and James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant's space by adding Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. And, and the thing is, when you're playing teams like this, the one thing that I will say about this Pelicans team is our good enough is good enough to beat any team in this league. I don't care who it is, but our bad enough has been bad enough to lose to any team in this league. So we have played up to the level of our competition. That's why I always get a little bit more excited when we play teams like this, because we're playing
3: with house money. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, the Pelicans have beaten eight, eight of the nine top teams in the Western Conference. The only one they right. haven't beaten is Portland. So you're right. They're totally capable of it. But you've seen the losses where you scratch your head a little bit of what they what they have done against the likes of Minnesota and Detroit. So it should be interesting tonight. I really am looking forward to seeing uh this matchup. And I hope you all can tune into Valley Sports New Orleans. That's where you'll find Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels and Jen Hale tonight. Pre-game coverage at six. And the game starts at six thirty. It is on ESPN nationally. But again, we encourage you to watch on Valley Sports New Orleans. It'll also be on ESPN New Orleans uh at six thirty with Todd Graffinini, John the Shazer, and Caroline Gonzalez. And you can read Jim offers Behind the Numbers presented by Energy, that's already up. And make sure to follow the team on Twitter at Pelicans NBA. Guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. I always do when all four of us get together. Um have a great call tonight, Joel and A D. Jim, I'll talk to you later and appreciate the time. Yes, yeah, sir. All right, we'll be back for another podcast on Friday. Thanks, for Jim, Daniel. your problem, no problem, Joel. For Jim and Joel and Ad, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.